Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our last show of Women's History Month, our last show of Women's History Month. And so I'm excited to welcome our guests. But before I do, please like, share and subscribe. I would be also oh grateful for you to do that. Follow if you're on a podcast network and that way we can get the word out, especially since Facebook does not like me this month and will not go live. So please like, share, subscribe. If you're on YouTube, post that link to Facebook, all right? Totally appreciate it. So today we're talking about driving change. And the reason I feel like this is important, especially now, is that we are surrounded by a lot of trauma. Let's be honest, we try to act like it's just life, but it's a lot of trauma. We just saw a school get shot up the other day, right? We had COVID going on. We're surrounded by unpleasantry almost daily. And it can be a weight. And sometimes we can feel absolutely hopeless. Like, what do I do? So I am bringing in a special guest who works in community development to talk about driving change through our individual contributions. So welcome, Miss Cara Marie. Hello. Hi. Hi. Cara, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your work. All right. So hello. Good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Cara Marie Finley, and I am the founder of Finley House Global. And don't worry, I know it's kind of a little egotistic to name a company, <laughs> maybe after your name, but um, Finley actually is Celtic, and it means fair warrior. So we like to think of ourselves as warriors, as advocates um, for community development and specifically community-led community development. So mm -hmm. our mission is actually collaborating with community members to assist the community members in providing community solutions because no one knows a community better than the people who are a part of it. And so we just wanna make sure that they have the tools um, and the skills that they need to make their solutions um, their ideas for change possible. No, that's awesome. So how did you decide to go in a field related to change? Because a lot of us are very hesitant to change and it seems like you jumping right in there. So actually I didn't jump head in, but I had a series of experiences um, as working as an independent um, consultant that really took me into the nonprofit field. And then I got, I seem to narrow down even deeper into this niche of community development of um, organizations that were really at the center of social impact and wanting to make changes um, at a societal level. And once I got introduced to that, I got just interested. I fell in love with it, that the fact that we could use our skill set, um, even as a communications person with writing or talking, to really create solid, tangible solutions. Um, that people would benefit from. That's something I've always wanted to do and to know that I had the skill set already to do it through communication for development was great to come across. All right. So you're going into the community and you are driving change. Do you feel like as people, as communities, as society, that we consciously realize when change needs to take place? 
I think no. <laughs> That's such a good question. But I think first we need to acknowledge that there's different types of change, right? Okay. Like change is inevitable, um, but it can be positive change or it can be negative change. And I think I like to think of change really in terms of growth and development. And so that makes sense when we're talking about people like a, a baby grows and matures. Um, but societies are actually made up of people and society is not just this tangible, intangible thing. Um, so we have to understand that societies too need to grow and change and develop and mature. Um, and so I think that it starts with realizing that complacency, the status quo doesn't have to remain the same. Like mm. you mentioned, we have so many traumatic things going around. And I think because our society is so on the go, um, we tend to normalize those traumatic things so that we can keep going and, and maintain, you know, the order of society. But I think when we really consider the human condition and what we need, we need, you know, we need nurturing relationships. We need to feel loved. We need to feel seen and heard. Uh, we need to have someone challenge us and, and ask us what a solution to a potential problem that we see is. I think that requires taking a step back from the day-to-day -day grind and really taking stock of what needs to be changed. What can I, is this the best that whether it's within yourself or whether it's in your community or whether it's in society at large. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that taking a step back. I do feel like sometimes by the time we realize that there needs to be change, it's almost such a traumatic and dramatic event that says, oh, wait, wait, stop. There needs to be change. But I feel like there's two responses to that, kind of like what you talked about. We normalize stuff and say, okay, well, I just got to emotionally get through this and I got other stuff to do. Mm -hmm. Or we do what I do, which is get on Twitter and start <laughs> complaining. <laughs> or we, you know, we complain and we complain and we post about it. Mm -hmm. But neither one of those, and there's a there's a select few people, right, who actually go and do, right? <laughs> but I feel like maybe the majority of us, we either normalize it and say, okay, well, I'm just going to put it behind me because I got to survive. Mm -hmm. Or we post about it, we post about it, but we're not actually, um, like, actively doing anything. Right. I, I think change, like growth, um, it has to be intentional. It has to be, you have to take initiative and it's inconvenient. So it's easy for us to, to normalize something or just to complain, but then really go on to accept it because of the inconvenience of change. Number one, change happens slowly. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we're looking for the quick fix um, and we might be able to do some grand, you know, maybe you go and you protest and you do a march or uh, but that's really a one-time event, mm -hmm. whereas change really happens over time. So it's like a constant commitment to doing the work or taking maybe it's one action, um, but being consistent in that action. And I think our society right now just it tells us to like we should desire the opposite of those things. We want what we want, right? You you order Uber Eats to your front door and you have your food when you want it. You can get the body of your dreams if you go to a surgeon or you take a magic pill or you get an injection. So we don't even have that muscle right now that says, like, I'm going to dig in for the long haul. 
um, and commit to change. So what do you think the barriers are? So we talked about that kind of patience and that long haul resilience and commitment. What other barriers do you see when it comes to creating change? I think it's in the structure of our society because we are a fast paced society. We say we demand results right away, like mm -hmm. immediate almost. And so people get discouraged when they start to, when they say, okay, I do see something that needs to be changed and I want to, I want to commit to the process. But when you put in day after day or month after month, or sometimes year after year, and you feel like you're not seeing anything, um, a lot of times it's easy to get discouraged and to give up. And I think because of how society is, we're, we're all frazzled. We're all like, you know, I need to do the side hustle thing, or I need to look this way on social media, or I'm just trying to balance working a job and raising some kids and being a wife. And it's just so much that sometimes it's hard to take that step back to say like, well, can I just have a moment to think and, and take an assessment of where we are, even just beginning with yourself. Cause I think personal transformation ultimately leads to better families and better families mm -hmm. to a better community and a better communities lead to a better society. So it can happen at an individual level, um, but we don't hear that often. Yeah, I feel like I was talking to my son the other day, whom you know. Yes. <laughs> um, I was talking to him yesterday about purpose, right? I was talking to him about purpose and what does it mean to have a purpose and what impact do you have on the world, yeah. right? And so we're having these conversations. And for me, it was really important to instill in him that a lot of times we look at purpose as like a huge thing, right? I see my purpose as I want to change the world, like no lies. But I may not change the world, but I can change the world for a community member. Mm -hmm. I can impact a coworker. I, you know, so looking at change is kind of to me similar to looking at purpose. Like it can be overwhelming when you are looking at this grandiose vision or what you want it to be perfectly. Because every time something doesn't fit perfectly in that, whew, And that's life, right? It don't It won't fit perfect. But every time you're looking for it to fit perfect, it's like, it's overwhelming. You feel defeated. You feel all of this pressure when change can be very much on an individual level. Yeah. Yeah, so I loved what you said because I think our young people are definitely at a place where they need to hear those messages earlier and earlier that you matter, especially with COVID. There's been a, a huge loss of like social interaction skills. Mm -hmm. um, so one of our projects that we're working on right now, we're actually facilitating a youth leadership academy um, in Kent County, Maryland. And when you hear Maryland, a lot of times people think Baltimore, but when you drive across that bridge into Kent County, it's like a completely different world. You feel almost like you're in the Midwest among <laughs> amber waves of grain. Like it's really trippy, the difference between life in the city of Maryland and then um, life in Kent County. But for those students, they've kind of been in the grind of things. It's a smaller school, but just to have somebody say, hey, like you matter. And when you show up in the world, you're not just showing up as yourself. Like people understand that we there are family members who overcame things and who mm -hmm. made positive changes so that you could be here and you now have the power to 
even though you're young, even though you're in school, to make an impact. And that can just be, in their case, they decided that they really wanted to mentor eighth graders because we're working with it's a community project uh, where they're inter they're creating an intervention essentially for these rising ninth graders who they think really need somebody to guide them. And they they've stepped up to the plate to say like, hey, we'll do that. And we, because we wish we had it when we were in eighth grade, we want to be able to provide that for uh, rising ninth graders. How much can we learn from kids? <sighs> a lot. <laughs> like that's that's them using their power because we all have power. We yes. all have power to change things. That's them using their power to impact the next gener generation, not really generation, right. right? But you get what I mean to the next set of kids coming through. That is amazing. Yeah. So when you go through this with them, what kind of trigger like this is the impact I want to have for these kids? Like what triggered that for them? So I, I think a lot of times it was just relationship building too. So, um, you know, we work on contracts. We have a contract with the county. We went in. But I think because of our approach, our repower development approach, our belief that people inherently have power, they don't need to be empowered. They already have power. Empower mm -hmm. means you have to give somebody the power. But if you're thinking in terms of repower, like people have power, but sometimes they need it reignited. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's where we come in and we met with these students. We built rapport. Um, and even our, on our last trip earlier this month, um, we had like kind of what we needed to accomplish within that week. But on one of the days as a team, we were like, hey, these students are bought in, but they've kind of opened up and shared some of what they're going through. So let's take that step back, <laughs> even though we have an agenda, even though we have things that we need to accomplish and let's address some of what they're experiencing. So um, my husband, Finley, he went and he gave kind of like a five minute talk about baggage and the baggage claim and how sometimes when you're at the airport baggage claim, you don't just pick up your baggage, you pick up other people's baggage too. And sometimes we walk around with that and we never unload or unpack it. And then after his talk, we, um, we did kind of this activity where we asked people to think about someone that they needed to forgive, whether it was an adult or whether it was a friend. And I kind of read just this piece that I wrote that said, hey, I'm sorry. Like maybe you needed to hear, I'm sorry. You've been, someone disappointed you and it caused real damage. And maybe we've just overlooked it or maybe you've tucked it away because you couldn't feel vulnerable. And that was like the tipping point in our program where they were just 100% bought in. And the other two days that we had there, they they just gave everything because they felt like somebody saw them, somebody cared enough to have that moment with them. Um, and that we weren't just taking from them like, hey, we want your ideas, we want this, we need you to do this, this, this. But we took a moment to really deposit into them that, hey, you are special, you do matter. And I don't want to even say special because I feel like special has this idea of privilege attached to it, but you are great. Like regardless of what your surroundings say, you have that power and you can create change. And we want to remind you of who you are in this. Now, what I like about that is having to step back before you do the change. Because sometimes we're trying to change stuff in our lives, but we have all of this baggage that yes. is holding us back where we used to be or yeah. where we were. 
And in order to move forward, in order to be better and be well equipped to handle that next challenge, because if you're making a change, it's going to be challenges. Like that's just part of the deal. Like being able to say before you start trying to change the world, change people, you need to step back and figure out what's going on with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the most um, realistic approach to change or accessible approach to change. Um, And that's why we really want it to be community led because people know what they need. If you give them that time to take that step back, Um, the illustration my husband used with the kids was like an arrow. Like if you're gonna shoot an arrow at the target, you first have to pull it back. Mm. So step back in order to really set your aim. Um, And it is, it's that self assessment kind of what we said with the normalization of all these traumatic things. Like we're constantly living, we've just normalized living under threat of war, of mass shootings, like of hearing that like thousands of people or even one person died and we're totally unaffected by it. And Mm -hmm. that's not normal. So to like reignite within ourselves, like this sense of, that people need dignity, that people need love, that people need respect, that they want to be seen, that they want to be heard, that they want to know they matter because everybody's kind of going through the day to day, just burdened by life and no, and sometimes they feel like invisible, like they don't matter. So it doesn't have to be large, but it's how can I make myself better? It might be reading a book <laughs> or it might be having a conversation with your neighbor because we've become so siloed that we don't even know mm-hmm. who our neighbors are. And and yet these are or our coworker, um, as you mentioned in the intro, like how do we just make those little steps that really have a big and lasting impact and not necessarily going for the lights camera action, but just doing the work behind the scenes. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even see the impact. You may never see the impact of what you leave. You may see some immediate remnants of the impact. Mm-hmm. But you may never see the impact. You kind of have to be okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'll share with you guys one thing I used to do. I had a goal. It was years ago. Lord, I'm getting old. But I had a goal like for the year. Like I do, I don't know if they're resolutions, but sometimes I'll be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do this year, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had a period of time where I said every day I wanted to positively impact one person's life. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to like be very intentional that, oh, there's my positive impact. Did I just compliment homegirl on her hair and her nails? Yes. <laughs> like it could be as simple as that, or it could be when I ran my mom's group, moms will message me for, oh my gosh, I have a mom who will message me like, do you know what's going on at the school? So it may just be me saying, hey, this is what's going on at the school, whatever it is that I wanted to positively impact at least one person's life per day. If it was posting a positive message, if it was running into somebody at the store. And that's when I think we can start our larger change with just as an individual. What's that one thing I can do when it feels overwhelming? Mm -hmm. People in the chat, or people who haven't been in the chat. Let me know what's something you want to change and what do you think is a barrier to what you want to change? Let's go through and read some of these comments, Miss Cara Marie. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Talisha, 
you will notice some of these people have my last name. Right. Manage change, but there's also change that happens to us that is beyond our control. And that's absolutely correct. And you give me your perspective, but this is my perspective and it's not the popular perspective, right? People say like, things are out of your control. You can control how you react to it. Absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. But you might not always react positively. And mm -hmm. I think you have to give yourself grace to say, yeah, something really crappy happened to me. And yeah, in the moment, I feel really crappy. And that's what came out. Now, if you did something wrong, right? Like me, I'm just a crier, right? It doesn't hurt anyone. <laughs> if you did something wrong, make sure you apologize. Don't go too far off the rails. But I think often in society, especially in individual individualistic society, we're taught that when something bad happens to you, you just got to handle it. Like, suck it up. You got to handle it. You got to move on. Yes. Yes. Um, absolutely. Like, because we said change is inevitable. And and yes, you can control your reaction and your response. But the temptation is to, again, normalize it. Like, mm -hmm. this is a really crappy situation. I just need to figure it out and handle it and get through it. And sometimes we don't ask, like, the deeper questions, like, why did this happen? Because sometimes that shows like the systemic issues, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, this happened um, not because this person just decided to, but maybe they're stressed because they can't afford to feed their family. They can't get a job. They're homeless. Like all these other things are happening to them, uh, which cause them to react in a certain way. And so like looking at the larger issues as well, but then not being so quick to just overlook like our own emotions and then doing things um my best friend and I were just talking about this today like doing things that just make you feel better not to ignore where you really are but you're like okay certain things are completely out of my control so what can I do to bring a bright spot to maybe it's just my day because that's all I can manage or maybe in your case it's someone else's day like mm -hmm. it's make it's going out and then giving a compliment to someone. So still taking small steps to manage what you can manage and bring some joy <laughs> to um, to the moment while still not ignoring the fact of life or, or the, the negatives that might be happening, but still finding a positive way to cope and, and not just trying to, you know, put it under the rug, push it under the rug. Yeah. And I think that goes to change. I think the other C word is control. Change and control. And change is so scary because it's out of our control. And so when you have those hard moments, focusing on what you can control, what can you do? When I'm like really stressed at work, I just kind of leave and go for a walk sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and I listen to the birds and I breathe in the fresh air to reset. So focusing on what you can control. And sometimes don't mean to hurt feelings, but sometimes you have to depersonalize it. Sometimes it feels really personal, but a lot of times what happens to you is not personal. Mm -hmm. All right, let's keep going. Um, oh, this one's interesting because I'm I'm gonna argue with you on this one, Russell. Two things stop us from making necessary changes, fear and laziness. I agree, but Here's what I find in coaching, and this is not for everyone. I'm, laziness exists in some capacity, right? But mm -hmm. what I find in coaching, especially in coaching, because these people are seeking help, right? 
-hmm. is that the word lazy is severely overused. Mm -hmm. So I came into this realization because when I was a kid, I was always called lazy with my homework. But really, I wasn't lazy. I was efficient. Ah, okay. Don't check me, Talisha. Not check me. I was efficient, okay? But now, as a grown-up, when I hear people say lazy, I ask my clients, okay, what are you doing? I had a client. She's like, I'm lazy. I'm not getting my stuff done. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, oh. You know, I'm taking this class. I'm working a full, like a certification class. I'm working a full-time job. I'm taking my kids to every activity, like every day, different activities. I still got to do all my housework. I got this to do. I got that to do. Ma'am, you're not lazy. Yeah. I hear, oh, I'm lazy. Okay, I got a full-time job. I got a second job. I have a grandchild. I help take. I got a family member I'm helping take care of. You are not lazy. So I often feel like when someone says laziness, I'm like, let me pick at it. Let yeah. me pick at it. It's like a scab. Let me pick at it for a little bit and see what's really going on. It's an ascension, right? So like if we're talking about change being that growth and the maturity mindset, like again, it's hard because our society kind of ingrains certain things into us. And a lot of us have been conditioned that if I'm not being productive, if I'm not making a concrete tangible, deliverable, or, you know, that produces income, usually that produces income, then I am really, I don't matter. I'm not valuable. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows my name. I'm not, my name is not in light. And the, the ascension that we have to make as a society is like, you exist, you breathe, your heart is beating, your brain is working and firing the neurons. Like that's a miracle. Life is a miracle. And and other people are experiencing this miraculous thing with us. So let's focus on what matters, right? Because ultimate, and it's hard when your income depends on it, yeah. but like your life and your value is not wrapped up in your job. It's not wrapped up in how much money you make. And it's hard when so much of society places a value on that, but remembering like, no, you matter. And so the fact that you're there at your kids' games you know, instead of doing whatever else you think you're supposed to do, that actually matters. They feel loved, they feel seen, they feel appreciated. Mm -hmm. And that is making that impact. So, and I don't typically get into politics a lot, but I just want to say this. Every time we use the word lazy in society, I want you to think about who they talk about. It's the people who were slaves. It's the people who crossed over the border after walking tons and tons and tons of miles to come work. They're literally coming to work. Yeah. Slaves literally built the country, which may be controversial, but it's true. And that's where in society, in society, you hear the word lazy used the most. So yeah. I'm always hesitant about lazy, but I do think fear definitely is one. Yeah, let's see. I would say complacency too. Like mm, it's comfort. Easy. Yeah, it's easy to fall into that. It's what you know. It's what you're familiar with, and anything else feels uncomfortable and inconvenient, and and so that's a huge barrier. And out of your control. Yeah. And out of your control. All right, Miss <laughs> Grace, bag lady, you gonna hurt your back? Yeah, <laughs> my back is hurting. My back don't hurt so much anymore, but it was hurting really bad at one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, a couple more. 
Yes, we're becoming non to trauma because something traumatic happens every day and we're exposed to it. Media. We're watching people die on the streets. Yes. And then we feel powerless. Like, what do you do when you're watching this and it's happening in a whole nother state? But, you know, it's probably happened locally, too. What power do you have to change it? And it's like. You can do something. I don't know what it is. But find your place and your your passion and find somewhere you can put that energy. You have something to say, Car? Well, I'm saying sometimes the, the power is in not engaging, choosing not to engage, right? Because media gets views. And when they're like, oh, we're going to release the police body cam footage of this thing, like a lot of times we all tune in because that's what we're taught. Yeah. Not knowing, like, this isn't normal. I shouldn't want to see somebody losing their life or getting injuries yeah. in their life. And so choosing like my power or my control is to say, I don't want to be a part of that. I know what's happening. I don't agree with it. And I'm just not going to tune in to give you views so that you over and over and over again. Yeah. All right. I don't normalize situations. I'm just dumb as far as having emotional responses. I will tell you this. My good friend who was a therapist, in fact, she was on here, Shalise. I got, I got on, we have a weekly call. I got on the call Monday and we supposed to talk for an hour, accountability call about what we're doing with our lives. What are we doing for ourselves? And I cried the whole hour to the point I had to turn off the camera. And this is not about me crying, but it's about that emotional response mm -hmm. because she is one of the few people who says cry is normal. Just cry. Just let it out, right? All my life, as these people know, <laughs> all my life I was told I was a crybaby and I cry too much, mm -hmm. right? And so to have someone tell me, cry, let it out, that's normal. That is your body trying to release that energy. So think about like, why aren't you having that emotional response? And I would challenge you to try to start invoking that some way, even if it's you're sitting outside and you just face whatever it is you're feeling or you're pushing aside the emotional feeling your emotions. I feel is necessary to be able to be happy because otherwise you're just holding it all in and trying to. Yeah. Keep it under wraps. Yeah. When we pull that, put that wall up, not only are you trying to keep out the bad, but you keep out the good as well. And so like we're limiting ourselves in that and I think showing those emotional responses, again, can feel super vulnerable, but in a safe space and setting, it is a way of taking that power back, of reigniting that power within ourselves, like finding, deciding like, oh, that's kind of funny, but no, really laughing out loud and not just saying, LOL, like really <laughs> having and going through that experience, um, I think is one way just to because we internalize it and then we get tired and we're like, I don't know why I'm tired. I'm just always tired. Exactly. Yeah. But it's definitely, like you said, once you cry it out, you laugh it out, you, you scream it out. Once you get it out, um, it, it causes a big change in our body. And it creates space for other stuff. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's look at this one. I think this is going to be a discussion. Okay. AMV superhero, Mr. Greg, everybody follow him under AMV superhero, superhero. Um, so how do we change the narrative, especially saying it towards men? So I think you're talking about laziness and 
if you are, drop it in the chat so I know that I'm addressing the right thing. I think we change it through people like you. Because I know what he does is he actually supports stroke survivors and their caregivers, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, first of all, we have to realize most of the stuff we believe is a narrative. <laughs> yes, it's all stories. That's how we process, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of the narratives, especially me growing up in the South, was told from a very specific American viewpoint, right? So recognizing that it is a narrative. When I hear there's no good men, honestly, I know tons of good men in my life. Now, are they good for me? That may be a different story. And that's okay. Right. And that's okay. You don't have to be good for me to be good. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. But I think we change the narrative by just living and just being and not really trying to, I don't want to say not forcing it on someone, but um, I don't know how to put it. I think just living and being is how we change the narrative. And we have conversations and we talk about it. But I think the more we say people think men are lazy, people think men are lazy or black men are lazy. I think we perpetuate that stereotype when yeah. we have plenty of examples of black men not being lazy. Mm -hmm. it's, it's showing up and being unapologetically you mm -hmm. and us as a society starting to uplift the good that we see in our community whether it's just shooting that person a text like, man, I really admire you for what you're doing yeah. or promoting someone's business mm -hmm. and saying like, maybe you can't afford to shop there right now, but just giving that shout out on social media for other people to even know about it and become aware of the program, even like for stroke survivors, just really promoting and using our platforms in that positive way. Yeah. All right, so it's the last day of Women's History Month. Is it the last? It's not the last day. I'm it's sorry. Day. It's not it. the last day. I can't count. All right, it's, it's our last show of Women's Histories Month. So share with me, Miss Cara. I know you're a strong woman who's driving change everywhere. Can you share with me what women have inspired you? That's such a hard question, right? Uh, there are so many women who inspire me. Um, like if we're talking about names that are known, Maya Angelou, love her. Zora Neale Hurston, love her. But even date, like regular day-to-day -day women, um, you seeing what you've gone through in your transition, that's inspirational. Uh, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious because I saw you share in a very authentic way, even with losing your mom. Uh, like that was just something that was so real and vulnerable in a world where there's so much people being fake. Um, and it was refreshing that you would open up. Um, my best friend Zipporah, these are women that inspire me, but really in terms of like the lessons that I've learned to be a woman, I would say my two grandmothers. So my maternal grandmother, um, Melvie Mae Johnson, my paternal grandmother, Ivy Mae Taylor, and my own mother, they've really just giving me lessons through their examples. So my grandmother, even though, you know, poor in Jamaica, she still managed to start a, a shop in the community. So she had that entrepreneurial spirit. And both of my grandmothers just really loved their children. And so that consistency in their children's lives um, is something that I've learned. My so the entrepreneurial spirit that I have, I guess I can, you know, take that from my grandma Melvi. Um, but then just standing up for the dignity of people. I think my grandmother 
Ivy really demonstrated that because she was of East Indian heritage. My grandfather was a, a dark skinned black man and her family was actually very um, unhappy that they got married because he didn't fit the look that they were hoping for her, right? Um, and even though they were prejudiced against her husband and her children, she still loved them. She still refused to be diminished in who she was. She still cooked for them. Um, so just showing up in that way and being consistent. And then my mother, Elaine Taylor, uh, she is a registered nurse. Um, she works in the ICU and she is just so firm in her purpose and in her calling. Like she's turned down opportunities to you know, pursue higher learning or um, you know, promotions at her job that would take her away from the bedside of patients who are literally on the brink of life and death because she feels like that is her purpose, that she is there to either nurse them back to health or usher them on their way. And she wants to be there for them and their families. And so just having those examples in my life have really just helped me to stand in who I am and helped me to show up as who I am because I know that I'm not just showing up as Carmarie. I have Melvie's blood running through me. I have Ivy's blood running through me. Mm -hmm. I have Elaine's blood running through me and, and they make me who I am. So I'm just really grateful to, to be a part of their lineage um, and to be able to do some of the work that I'm doing now. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I have, you probably, I forgot to tell you about this, but let's talk about how to connect. Ah, yes. So um, we are Finley House Global. We are Repower Development. So Repower underscore DEV um, on Instagram and I think on Facebook. And then, yeah, buildingfinleyhouse.com is my personal blog. And then People Centered Development is um, our business site where you can see some of the work that we're doing. Awesome. So you guys, please go like and share and follow Cara Marie's page. And then I do want to say next week, it is the last, this is the last show for Women's History Month, but next week on Wednesday is my mom's birthday. Therefore, I will not be here with you guys. <laughs> I will be doing my own spiritual thing and releasing my own emotions. So we'll have some more shows in April. If you know any guests, send them to me because I haven't scheduled anything at all. <laughs> but I want to thank you so much, Kara Marie. I said Kara, Kara yes, Marie. <laughs> I tried to read it. Um, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I like you are just so insightful. Maybe one day you'll join us again. Um, but I really, I really thank you that when I message you answer the call almost immediately so oh, yeah. and let you know that you inspired me i feel like i've known you since you was a little baby so you technically weren't you were grown <laughs> but i do i do i do i have much respect and love for you yeah no thank so, you thank you joy for having me and thank you again for just your platform and what you're doing to help people as a life coach you know work through the navigate through all the stuff that comes along with change and for being that example that growth is constant growth, constant evolution is possible and it can only make us better as a people, as a society. So thank you. Thank you.
All right. We'll see you sometime, people. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.